Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 29. I mentioned a few weeks ago at the beginning of these characters of the Bible that we would share the woman of Sakaar. And that's what we're going to do tonight. You may know her a little better as the woman of Samaria or the woman at the well. It's going to be hard just to speak on just this woman tonight when there are two people in this meeting that happens. This is really some of my favorite reading of the Bible, so we're going to read a, a long portion tonight, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm going to enjoy it, and I, I'm sure you will too. As we look at these two people, there's a sinless Savior and a sinful Samaritan we're going to read about. You'll notice two matters as we read. The matter of spiritual water and physical water. And then we're going to look at two conditions which are satisfied and unsatisfied spiritual thirst. Join me in John 4.4. 4. Actually, let's just start in verse 1. It says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. Th think about that for the doctrine of baptism. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. 
But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto Him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When He is come, He will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am He. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? I, I enjoy that reading every time I sit and read that. You know, and, and before we start giving most of our focus to this woman of Sakar, let us stop and think about something, and maybe we realize this and think of it often, or maybe not. And that is that Jesus had a body just like you and I. He got hungry. He got thirsty, he was fatigued, Jesus got tired. He had been journeying that morning and he was tired. He was looking for a place to sit down. The disciples were going off to get some food to make sure they bring to him so he could have some energy. He was looking for a place to sit down. You know, when our shoulders droop, when we're tired, the same thing happened with Jesus. We need rest. He needed rest. He was resting by this well. And it's around noon, we see. And now with this Samaritan woman, in the beginning of verse 7, it says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. So Jesus had been on a journey all morning, and he's there with his feet dusty and dirty. And here we have a woman on a quest of her own. It was a shorter journey, but nevertheless, she is journeying to the well to get water. Verse 6 says it's about the sixth hour. 
It's getting around noon. It starts getting hot around noon. Why would she go in the heat of the day? I mean, water is heavier than other things. <laughs> Seems like it anyway, right? She's about to carry this heavy water in the middle of the day after she draws it back. And she does so at noon. You know, the, it was typical that the other women, they would come early in the morning, in the cool of the morning, and they would get their water. And a lot of them would come at the same time. But she came later in the day. Why, why would she do that? Well, it's easy to conclude that that by her lifestyle, it, it was different than the other women. And the other women were probably offended by her. And, and maybe it had something to do with her relationships with, with some of the men. So anyway, uh, here she comes approaching in the distance, going to the well. She probably often went at that hour. And it was probably pretty typical that she would find no one there at the well when she would go. So she had every reason to expect that there would be no one at that well. Here she comes walking up and she discovers that someone is there. Jesus sees her coming by the way. He's sitting there by the well and he looks in the distance and he sees it's not his disciples coming and they're not bringing him food. And then he sees it's only one person and he sees that it's a woman that's coming to this well. And the life that she has lived shows in her appearance to him. And so as he sees her coming, he can read her dark story of her past. And he just looks at her and sees more about her more closely as she comes and joins him at the well to draw water. Jesus sees her and she sees that someone is there when she's going to draw water. You understand? Who she sees in her eyes at this point is simply just a Jewish man. Someone of another nationality that is not very friendly to her people. The Jews and the Samaritans they didn't have many dealings with one another. So she's in a quandary here. She's a Samaritan and he is a Jew. And the Jews just, they didn't accept the Samaritans. They, they didn't like them. They didn't talk to them. They avoided them as much as possible. As a matter of fact, you had Judea and, and you had Galilee and you had Samaria between the two. And so the quickest journey, if you wanted to go from Judea to Galilee, was right through Samaria. But most Jews would take the long way and go around Samaria so they wouldn't rub elbows with Samaritans or cross paths with them. They did everything they could to avoid the Samaritans. So what's she expecting? She can be expecting a catastrophe here. Because if he speaks to her, most likely this Jewish man is going to speak derogatory and, and down and negative upon her. She can expect that no words will be shared at all. Because Jews just didn't talk to the Samaritans. 
And the custom of that day was a man would not speak to a woman in public unless he was related to her. So she could have that hope, you know, in, in her way of thinking, in the, in the dysfunctional dealings between these two people groups, that he probably won't say anything at all. But oh, if he does, it's, it's going to be ugly because Jews treated the Samaritans like dogs. So she's in a quandary. And here she is, and she approaches the well. But she proceeds, and can't you imagine her when she gets up to the well, trying to make sure she's not making eye contact with this Jewish man as she's about to go about doing her business, and maybe she's waiting and almost flinching at something ugly that he would say to her. And yet, this Jewish man sitting at the well speaks to her and he doesn't just speak to her he speaks to her kindly in a kind tone and not only does he speak to her in a kind tone but he asks this woman for a favor he is in a position where he has nothing to draw any water with I mean don't you know that he wanted what was in that well he had been traveling he could use some help for his physical thirst. He could use some water. He had nothing to draw it with. She had some. And so, all of a sudden, this voice speaks up as she's minding her own business, and she hears, give me to drink. In a kind, compassionate way. And, and, I, and I can believe that Jesus wanted some, some water from that well to drink. He wanted what was inside there. But we know that what was most important on his heart here in a divine appointment that he wanted to get inside her heart with the truth. So he asks her for this drink. He makes this request and she doesn't answer him. She doesn't oblige him in what he has asked. But we see in verse 9 that she asked him a question. How is it that you, you being a Jew, and me a Samaritan, you're going to speak to me and you're going to ask me to give you a drink of water? Because Jews and Samaritans, they don't have dealings with one another. You all don't want to talk to us and deal with us. I mean, it was unheard of that a Jew would accept a drink of water from a Samaritan, their, their dirty vessel they're coming to get their water in. I wouldn't take water from them. That was the attitude. And so she questions his question to her. She questions his, his motive in this uh, due to the racial prejudice that goes on between these two groups. And so... He doesn't answer her question. He responds himself with a question. He does not apologize for addressing her, which is something out of the norm that is not done. But he immediately starts speaking to her, to her heart, about the thirsting of her soul. I want to read what he says again, verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God 
And who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink? Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. She brings up the racial tension between the two groups. But there's so much more important a matter going on here than the dysfunction between the Jews and the Samaritans. It's the eternal destination of her soul. I just, it, I, it just makes me want to stop and ask what importance level we, we put things on. There's nothing more important than the eternal destination of someone's soul. You know, people try to fix things looking at these little subjects aiming so low when the best way to fix so many things is to go to the important matter, the salvation of people's souls, the answer of one at a time being saved, helping a whole lot of things rather than what man tries to do, stirring the pot down low. Jesus does not address, he does not entertain what she asks because there's something so much more important. So he compassionately speaks to her about her future burden in eternity that she's not thinking about. And he's looking to reach her in a relationship like she's never had. A wonderful friendship. He, he just says to her, if thou knewest. If she knew who was asking her for a drink, she would be begging him for a drink of what he had. If she only knew who he was. He's getting her attention at this point. And he's steering her in the right direction. Though she's not getting it all yet. She is being awakened. She's puzzled. But she's awakened. And here she points out to him. Look you don't have the goods to get this water. And, and Jacob gave us this well. Do you think you're greater than Jacob, the one who gave us this well? She's, he has her engaged, though she's not give, getting it all. She's basically saying, though, can you do what Jacob couldn't do? And he's the one who gave us this and put it here. And this... Jewish man's answer, in her eyes, he's a Jewish man still, that's who he is, and it's a quick answer of yes. Yes, I am better, and that's based on what he said in verses 13 and 14. After she said that, look what Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water that Jacob gave in the well shall thirst again. But whosoever drink of the, of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The old well would not satisfy permanently. 
You know, and, and this is true of every man-made product. You know, we chase so many things in this world or we're tempted to. Look, no well dug by human hands could ever satisfy. They, they might as well be saltwater wells. You know, when you're thirsty, who wants to drink salt water? Nobody wants to drink salt water anytime. That might as well be what they are compared to what Jesus gives. They do nothing for the true thirst. You know, a man at sea can be thirsty with water in every direction he looks without even seeing land, just endless water. But it's of absolute no use to him, and it will do nothing for his thirst. You know, and so you might liken this to all kinds of wells that are being dug in this world. Wells of fame, wells of power, wells of pleasure. And in the end, all would agree with Solomon. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. So Jesus can say yes. He can say yes, I am better and greater than Jacob because he gave a well that doesn't satisfy. But I can give you a well that will satisfy you for all eternity and that includes today for you and tomorrow. Jesus gives satisfaction. Look at what she now says in verse 15 to him. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Well, she's not there yet. And she's, she's missing the application some. But there's no doubt that he's drawing her. And there's no doubt that it is seen in her that she's wanting something different than what she has. The way she's living and what she's doing, she wants something better. She wants something of some goodness in her life. How many of us, can you picture this woman? How many of us would... Just toss the thought of her aside as being interested at all in the things of the Lord. How many of us would think that person wants a better life? Would anyone ever have the thought, maybe, maybe she longs for goodness in her life? It wouldn't be many that do, probably. We would just assume and assume the worst. This is a fallen woman of many fallen relationships, five fallen marriages, and the relationship that she's in now is very far from sacred. Most wouldn't bother. But Jesus did. Jesus saw this woman, and He took an interest in her. He kept a divine appointment to reach this woman, to reach her heart with the truth, and he did so with a compassionate attitude. 
He looked beyond her wasted years and her tarnished past and he saw hunger and he saw thirst for the goodness of God. She didn't understand how to get it yet, but she was thirsting for something better. You know, we need never judge someone by the outward appearance or by their past. When we know that everyone has a thirst inside that only the Lord can quench. I believe that. I used to make fun of a saying that that everyone has a God-shaped hole in them and only He can fill it. You know what? I quit making fun of that saying because that, that sounds pretty good and that hits the nail on the head. We're created by God and He has given nothing to us to have on our own to satisfy us for eternity. So everyone has a thirst inside them that only the Lord can quench. There is a thirsting for God in everyone. Most people just don't know it, but that's what it is. I think of my life for a long time and and the searching I was doing and the digging I was trying to do to fill me up and it was all the wrong stuff. It was all cotton candy and, and everything of this world was that way and it just didn't work. I didn't know what it was, but it was God I needed to satisfy me. David found that out, and in the 42nd Psalm, in the second verse, he says, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. You know, we're all created in such a way that only the bread of life will cure our hunger, and only the water of life will satisfy our thirst. Jesus sees her soul longing to be satisfied. Oh, what help that is for you and I to see others in a different way. The disciples, you know, you think about the disciples and and a lot of times they tried to deter Jesus from having to deal with people that they thought would would bother him or get on his nerves. I'm glad the disciples weren't there at the beginning of this. I'm glad they had gone away to get some food. And Jesus had it all planned out anyway. And it was just Jesus and this woman at the well. You know, if they were there, they would have probably caused some problems and interrupted what Jesus had going on. It's probably good they weren't around because they couldn't see the depths of her soul the way that Jesus saw her soiled soul but yet knew what she desired. And all it took was one compassionate reply of truth to this woman that, that got her longing for a true satisfaction of the quenching of her thirst down in her soul. Wow, what can we, what can we learn by this downtrodden 
poor woman. We, we can learn a lot about the invitation that needs to go out to everyone. The invitation to come to the living water of Jesus Christ. This well of water springing up into everlasting life. That's what he gives us. From Everyone needs it. From this poor woman with a, with a wasted life to the richest one who can, who can have his own well. And, and have that physical thirst met, but you have to go to it over and over, and there's never ultimate satisfaction. About 50 years ago, the CEO of a large company, I think it was Shell Corporation, and uh, the mechanic was working on his car. His car had broken down. Today, there would just be a rental car like that. Years ago... They got the mechanic to drive the CEO home. So this is an awkward ride with two people on two different levels. And the CEO goes to break the ice and make conversation and says, well, what else do you do aside from working in the mechanic shop for me? And the man said, well, I'm a Baptist preacher. That CEO had a long, quiet pause. And then he said, the most peaceful, joyful time in my life was the time I was teaching Sunday school in a little Baptist church. My wife was teaching the kids, and I had my kids in church. Only Jesus can meet the need of the soul. There is nothing that man puts his hand to that's going to satisfy him. Only Jesus can do this. We see her qualm in verses 16 through 18 now. As he points out her life that we've already read and her lifestyle and what she has going on. You know, Jesus has been offering her so far a gift to satisfy. She is desiring it. But what she and all must deal with also is the guiltiness of sin. There's a gift that will satisfy anyone, but everyone must come to the guiltiness of their sin. That's why he says to her, go, call thy husband, and come hither. And she said, I have no husband. And notice what he says to her, thou hast well said... You know, I'm not saying we've always been wrong, but, but people just change somewhat. And we don't have to be as hard on people to get them to see they're a sinner as we think we do. He compliments this woman. He's been compassionate to this woman, and now he compliments this woman. She, she's fighting it some, and she's trying to change the subject, and she goes off into, well... Well, where should we worship? She starts talking about the subject of where one ought to worship. But Jesus has the same desire the entire time, and he doesn't lose his focus, to get in her heart. It wasn't, it wasn't about the water in that well. 
It was about her being able to have a satisfying well of water in her springing up into everlasting life. And verse 26 makes this a very rare occasion that you don't find too much with Jesus because he reveals to her in word who he is. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. She had mentioned that, that, that Messiah cometh, and when, and, 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 uh, which is called Christ. When he's come, he will tell us all things. He tells her, I'm he. Where is this woman of Sakar saved in this? We don't know exactly, but we find in verse 28 that she dropped her water pot and she was excited, full of joy, and she headed back to her city to tell everyone about Jesus. It just may be that she was saved right there in that moment. Bottom line, she was saved. She left her water pot. That was a very important item of that day. You did not set that thing down and leave it. If you did leave it, when you realized you left it, you're running back to get it. You didn't mistreat it. You didn't abuse it. You handled it delicately because of the importance of what it was. But, but she didn't go back for it. She was interested in some physical water. She was going to get some. But that has taken a back seat to the living water that she has now found. And she returned to her city joyful, a new creature with a new purpose. And it says in verse 28 that she saith to the men, she went to the men of the city. Again, we see the women probably kind of held her at arm's length. She had a, a life of wrong, ruined relationships. You know, the women weren't fond of this situation, but she goes confidently, and she goes with a new purpose, and she goes with joy to those she knew. She's going as a new creature. She goes as something different to do something different. She goes and she tells them about Jesus. I kind of just want to stop right there because when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there is no sin that's been covered by the blood that ought to be hindering the Christian's life in any way. I don't want to stand up here in glory and sin, but whatever it may have been, whatever it was, it is gone, it is forgiven, and it is not to hinder me in my Christian life any longer. And it doesn't have to. Someone recently spent a lot of time around some people that I knew a long time ago. And they said, I heard about you. I said, yeah, that was me, but that's not me any longer. 
she goes right back to the people she's been around and she tells them about Jesus and the Bible says that many of them were saved. What a witness in the first hour that she believed. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There is a change in the life that happens when we believe in Jesus. She shared the good news of Jesus Christ with these men. Many throughout the city believed. Jesus was asked to stay. He stayed and many more believed as well. Most would just walk by and see a wasted life in this woman. But Jesus saw a great witness of the Lord. Look what she went and said and look at the results of it. So as we share this woman of Sakar that we don't focus on a whole lot when we look at these verses... We've got to ask ourselves, have we drawn people to Jesus because of what we've said? Because He's given us those words that someone might be saved. You know, this question comes from an example of a wasted woman who has been washed and cleansed in Jesus Christ. What can our witness be? If this was hers, the first day that she was saved. Think about those who would stumble in thought over, I don't know what to say, I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing. All she knew was that this was Christ and she saw her sin and she was saved. She went and told them, And they were saved. How do you witness for Christ? How does a new Christian witness for Christ? How does a Christian witness for Christ who has just never done it? Whatever Jesus has done for you, tell someone they can do that for them. Every one of us can be a witness for Christ just like this woman. Maybe there's someone here tonight listening in who's never been satisfied truly by living water. Been around it, tried to dip the toe in it, but never truly satisfied by this living water so that you will never thirst again. Are you content with that tonight? Does everyone here understand that the longing of their soul can only be filled by Jesus Christ. We will chase our tail in this world trying to be satisfied by our daily operations and surroundings in this world. It's Jesus who satisfies. It's Jesus that we're looking for when we're looking all these places to be satisfied. So the invitation goes out just like it went out to her. 
If you'd admit your sin and you thirst for the living water, would you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior tonight and receive Him? There's a song that came to my mind throughout the study of this over, over the past week. And, and it was uh, Dwelling in Beulah Land. We didn't sing it, but I'm going to say a few of the words of it. And for every Christian tonight, we can say this, and this is true. If there's one here tonight unsaved, if you would be saved, you can, you can sing it with us this hour. It says, I'm living on the mountain underneath a cloudless sky. I'm drinking at the fountain that never shall run dry. I'm dwelling in Beulah land. Are you drinking from the fountain tonight? Isn't it good, child of God, that we're satisfied, that we can be content because of what Jesus Christ has given us? Praise Him tonight. He's so, he's so good to us, and He saved us. He's, he's given us satisfaction for eternity, and He's let us know now. Well, we will move on to, to another one, uh, obviously, next week, and it, it's good to see everyone here tonight. Awana will still be going on another 30 minutes. If there's anyone here tonight who, who has anything on their heart concerning the Lord, we're not going to have music, a, a song, and, you know, a time of invitation. But this is your invitation for the next 30 minutes while we're around here. If there's anything on your heart you'd like to share. God bless you all tonight. And I'm going to ask that uh, Terry Metter, would you close our Bible study in a word of prayer?